jerks on the right. Let's talk about misogyny in the manosphere. This is Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. Wait, what? Is your political recap. We'll tell you who's making news and what it means to liberals and progressives everywhere. And we'll interview the newsmakers that make it happen. So from the nation's capital, here's reporter Jimmy Zuma. And from the great state of Arizona, here's Senator Victoria Steele. And today we are welcoming back Mark Potok, an internationally recognized expert on the rise of the radical right. Mark is a senior fellow at the Southern Poverty Law Center, and he was their editor-in-chief of their award-winning quarterly journal, The Intelligence Report, and its investigative reporting. Mark Poltock has appeared on numerous television news programs. He is quoted regularly by journalists and scholars around the world, and his website is markpotok.net. Mark um, was with us recently on a, a show that we did on the rise of the radical right, and I would like to recommend that you you also look back at that. He's an expert on on this broad category of the radical right, and uh, somebody that we really appreciate. Uh, the other episode is called "The Nazification of the Radical Right" with Mark Potok, and um, he's here today to talk about misogyny. That's right. Well, so there is no doubt. Uh, well, first of all, welcome back, Mark. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here. Well, there, there is no doubt um, that there is um, a huge amount of misogyny in the world today. Um, and there is indeed a war on women. Almost weekly, we are seeing constant attacks on women's reproductive rights, contraception. But that's not all. We have a president in the White House, for God's sakes, who boast about grabbing women by their genitals. He's had more than a dozen cases of sexual assault pending against him. And he leads his rallies, his huge rallies of thousands of people in chance of lock her up and Pocahontas. So we, I, I, I consider myself a strong feminist and, and Jimmy does too. He's even got the, the t-shirts to prove it. <laughs> we feminists <laughs> are facing a growing and vicious backlash, one that is threatening, if not many, if not all of the advances towards equality and fairness that, that we've made over the past century and a half. And our, our guest today, Mark Potok, has been looking into the situation. He says that what is fueling this often violent brew is what he calls the manosphere. Mark, what's this manosphere? What is that? Well, the manosphere is kind of the most radical uh, manifestation of misogyny that's been with us, you know, since the beginning of time, more or less. Uh, you know, obviously, all through our history and the history of other countries, there's been real uh, uh, misogyny, hatred of women, uh, putting down of women, and so on. But the manosphere is a world, what it refers to is a world of kind of websites uh, and forums and groups of so-called men's rights activists and so on, who uh, go a step beyond to really explicitly hate women. Women are, you know, half the human race are a bunch of evil beings who are out to do us men in, universal uh, among women, uh, according to these people, uh, is so-called misandry, uh, the, the partner of misogyny, uh, hatred of men. 
And in this world comes a whole series of claims, claims that women, for instance, rape men just as often as men rape women. Really? Most violence, or at least, <laughs> yeah. And let me say on that point, uh, because this is something they keep coming back to again and again, this claim that it is utter and complete BS. No I mean, there is nothing to it. And this has been shown in study after study after study. Uh, the CDC, for instance, a few years ago did a study looking uh, at uh, the prevalence uh, of rape, uh, of sex crimes. And while the claim of the manosphere is, is that, as I say, men are attacked in sex crimes just as much as women are, in fact, what the CDC found was that 18.3% of women in America have been raped. That is to say, one in five, compared to 1.4% of men which is to say one in 71. And, you know, I don't mean to make light. I mean, men are raped, uh, and men are raped particularly in prison. And the count may be a little low because uh, the authorities are not good at counting prison rapes. But the point is, you know, nobody should be raped. That's right. uh, and the secondary point, of course, is, is that enormous numbers of women uh, suffer this kind of thing. Uh, it's incredible assault. You know, related to that, uh, is the claim by the so-called manosphere that uh, women routinely falsely accuse men of rape or other sexual assault. And this is kind of, this is at the very core of this world uh, of men's rights activists, the idea uh, that men are screwed by women and, you know, it, and that it comes in the context of custody battles and so on, or just plain nasty meanness uh, on the part of women. Again, there are studies. So the claim is, is that about 50% uh, of all, ra of all uh, reported rapes of women are false wow. reports or false accusations. Oh in fact, there have been a couple of studies done, one in the United Kingdom, uh, which found that 2.5% uh, of rape accusations are false, are groundless. Uh, and a study in the United States of a few years ago that shows here it's about 6.8%. The point is, well, obviously, those percentages probably go up and down a little bit every year, uh, and surely they're not exactly 100% accurate. What is absolutely certain uh, is that that rate uh, of the false accusations of rape is almost precisely, it's in the same range, 2 to 8%, that all other crimes are falsely reported. So, in other words, there's nothing unusual about rape. It is complete hogwash. Uh, that women, you know, routinely resort to this accusation. Uh, in any case, so so the, the, it's a world built on lies, but they are lies that are incredibly freighted. And and in fact, you know, the manosphere. I mean, we can get into talking about this maybe a little later on. But the manosphere, in many ways, has become a kind of gateway drug for people entering the world of the radical right. So you might have fairly normal people out there, men, young men, even boys. Uh, who get into these ideas of, you know, women are vile creatures out to do we, us men in. And it's not long uh, for many of them uh, before they get into the world of, you know, black people are evil, the Jews are trying to do us in and so on. So it's a real gateway. Uh, and, and this, you know, misogyny as a general matter has become a central kind of pillar uh, of the ideology of the so-called alt-right. So, Mark, what drove you to to start investigating this manosphere? How did how did you get there? It began really in 1989. Uh, this whole 
reaction, this backlash, and that's really what it is. I mean, what we're talking about is an angry, a furious, and violent backlash uh, against the changing roles of women in the world, uh, at the fact that, you know, women are now at least nominally kind of allowed to do anything uh, that a man can do and so on. And, you know, there is a world out there that is angry at these changes. It's not only in the manosphere. We have other doctrines, uh, the headship doctrine of many, many Christian, uh, particularly uh, fundamentalists, is the idea that, you know, as uh, Christ is the, the, the boss of the church, uh, so the man in the family is the boss of the family, and everyone else has to uh, do what he says. So the beginning of this backlash, uh, or at least the most dramatic kind of start of it, was in 1989, when a man in Montreal, in Canada, named Marc Lepin, marched into uh, the Polytechnic University there, which was that year training its very first class uh, of engineers, including women. He walked into a classroom. He, at gunpoint, ordered all the men out of the classroom. He then announced to the women who remained that he hated feminists and he was going to destroy feminism. Uh, and he then shot them mm. all. Uh, he murdered 14 mm. women. 10 survived, uh, many of them after being critically wounded. And so this, in a sense, was the, the opening shot. Uh, this was really uh, where it began. Uh, more recently, we got into this uh, at the Southern Poverty Law Center, where I was working at the time uh, as a kind of current uh, event, you know, something that was happening right in front of our eyes, uh, when in 2015, a man named Thomas Ball, who was a member uh, of one of these groups, uh, this one called the Fatherhood Coalition, uh, actually, after a 10-year battle over custody of his daughter, lit himself on fire, poured gasoline over himself, lit himself on fire, and died right there inside, uh, in front of a New Hampshire courthouse. He was angry uh, that he wasn't able to get uh, full custody of his four-year-old daughter. And his fury originated 10 years earlier uh, with a, a, an incident, uh, which he uh, characterizes this minor incident where he's being you know, screwed by the state and so on, uh, in which he was putting to bed his four-year-old daughter, uh, and his daughter, for whatever reason, licked his hands, his hand. This infuriated Ball. Uh, he went into a rage and slapped her uh, hard enough across the face that her mouth mm. bled. Uh, and this is what led to eventually the divorce uh, between him and his wife uh, and this long custody battle. But, you know, uh, the, the most interesting thing about Ball uh, was that he left a manifesto declaring, in effect, uh, a war on women, literally calling for men to rise up, uh, to make Molotov cocktails, to attack courthouses and police stations, uh, to murder women and so on. And then after that, there were a whole series uh, of massacres, uh, you know, some of which I can mention. Uh, you know, in 2009, for instance, George Sodini, not, this is actually before Thomas Ball, uh, George Sodini is a guy who murdered uh, three women, shot a total of 12 in a Pittsburgh gym uh, because, uh, you know, women wouldn't sleep with him. He was a so-called incel, an involuntary celibate, somebody who felt uh, that, you know, beautiful blonde women should be sleeping with him. That was his right, but they just wouldn't do it. So, uh, you know, and he marches uh, into this gym and starts to murder people. Similar thing in 2011, a guy named Scott DeCray, 
uh, in Seal Beach, California, marched into a hair salon, uh, murdered six women, uh, and including his wife, uh, and injured another three people. Uh, and then perhaps most famously in 2014, and this is something I wrote about uh, at some length at one point, uh, a guy named Elliot Roger in Isla Vista, which is near uh, Santa Barbara, California, uh, marched, well, what he tried to do uh, was to go to a particular sorority. His idea was to murder all the beautiful blonde women who wouldn't have sex with him. Uh, the door was locked and he was not allowed in, uh, and he wound up murdering a whole bunch of other people, including, uh, oddly enough, his three male roommates. Uh, he murdered a total of six people, wounded 14. You know, and there are other cases more recently in 2018. Uh, some of our listeners perhaps will remember uh, that a man in Toronto and Canada went on a rampage uh, in a van, and he was another one of these so-called incels, involuntary celibates. And, you know, so there's a world surrounding this that's, uh, you know, uh, filled with violence. And let me, let me give you a personal story. This year in the state legislature here in Arizona, where I am a state senator, I introduced a bill to repeal rapist parental rights. Because in Arizona, if you have been um, raped and you um, there is a, a birth that results in that rape, and you, the, the rapist can come back and claim paternity. He can get joint custody. He can um, get visitation rights. He can decide how the child is raised, where it goes to church, how, where, where the, the child goes to school, and what the mother can do. And I've, I have two people that I've talked with who have experienced this. They have to parent along with the man who violently raped them. And it didn't even get a hearing in our state senator or in state senate because the chairman um, decided that women who that the only way that he would hear the bill is if I agreed that women who are married could not be raped by their husbands. So this would not count um, if you were married to your rapist, because as he said, well, we can't just have, you know, these people who have been married for seven years suddenly claim that they were raped. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't, that doesn't speak very well of Arizona. Uh, and I say that because uh, in Alabama, not exactly the most progressive state in the union where I live, uh, they are right now. Uh, as we speak, uh, getting close to passing uh, precisely yeah, uh, what you proposed, uh, because we had the same situation. But here, at least thus far, there hasn't been any uh, outcry against it. It looks mm -hmm. like it's going to pass and pass easily, um, because it, it seems <laughs> perfectly obvious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so obvious. But that reminds me that one th I want to ask you two questions and then let you answer. One is, how many people are involved in this? And then the other question is, whenever these things happen, these these kind of movements, there's always somebody flogging them for profit. There's always a spokesperson who's making money off fomenting these kind of agitation. Do you know who those folks are? 
Well, let me start with numbers. I mean, we don't know the real numbers, but I know that there are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of websites and forums and so on. There's also a whole literature out there of, of books uh, that purport to make this case and to make it more uh, soberly, perhaps, than some of what you read on the internet. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, and also you get into the problem of who's really in the manosphere, how extreme do you have to be? So, you know, these are the kinds of estimates that are very hard to make. But, I mean, we are talking certainly about hundreds of thousands of men who are in this more extreme wow. end of the misogynistic wow. sort of ideology. Uh, you know, as far as money, it is true uh, that many of these people um, are essentially con men. Uh, and I say that particularly of one sort of subsector of the manosphere, uh, which is the so-called PUA world, PUA standing for pickup artist. And these are the men who claim that, you know, you can seduce any women, any woman, uh, if you only know how to say the right things to fool these foolish creatures uh, into doing what you want to, uh, with them. And uh, there is a guy, uh, among others, uh, named uh, Rushfi, uh, that's his kind of nickname, his internet name. Uh, his real name is a long, complicated Darius Valguza. He's an Iranian uh, by birth, uh, an American now. And this guy, along with many others like him, sells books mm -hmm. uh, which teach men the art of, of game, quote unquote. So, you know, he's got a series of really nasty mm -hmm. books, uh, the titles of which are How to Get Banged, in Iceland, how to get banged here, there, the other place, and so on. And, you know, they're all about uh, lying, right? I mean, it's all, it's all a great big deception. Uh, you know, I mean, no, no one but a fool, according to him and people like him, uh, would really think about what a woman was interested in or, or wanted to do or, or actually want the woman to like them, uh, be their friend, and so on. But there's a lot of money in that world. Um, and, and I don't think anybody's ever really done a serious study as to how much money there is. But, you know, and it's obviously uh, targeted at this vulnerable world of men who feel they're not in good shape, who, you know, uh, are not attractive to women for one way or another, or have not been successful, uh, or felt they haven't been successful with women. And they're looking for, you know, they want to buy a book that tells them how to, how to get a girlfriend. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, it's, it's a bunch of hogwash. We'll be back in a moment after a word from our sponsor. What if we as human beings on this planet were able to create jobs and prosperity by going green? That is by being economically and environmentally wiser in our use of energy and resources. Could it be done? Why, yes. That's what our friends at Economic and Human Dimensions Research Associates specialize in, whether for the World Bank, European nations, or for states and counties here in the U.S. They specialize in assessing and promoting ways to increase local jobs and prosperity through greater energy and resource productivity. Contact Economic and Human Dimensions Research Associates at theresourceimperative.com. All one word, theresourceimperative.com. We're back with Mark Potok, expert on the radical right, to talk about misogyny and anti-women groups. So, Mark, we were just talking about the, the, the horrendous things that, that these people do. So, but are these folks a serious threat 
to our society? Or are they just a bunch of jerks, chauvinist pigs that are being stupid and they, they find comfort in the company of a few other jokes or jerks? Are, are, are we, should we be taking this seriously? Well, I mean, we could ask that question of a few hundred women who've been murdered by people in these groups in this movement, except they're not here to answer us anymore. So, I mean, you know, obviously I'm saying yes. I mean, is it the biggest problem facing our society? Well, you know, you could argue about that. I mean, the radical right is a huge problem facing our society. Uh, this world of misogynist ideologues uh, is a part of that. And yeah, so, yeah, I think as a, as a general matter, these are real challenges our society is, is facing. I mean, I don't think it's true that uh, women are in the same place as they were, you know, in, in the 1920s, uh, in the same way that I don't think it's true that uh, uh, black people in this country are in the same place. I mean, I think it would be silly to, to make that argument. Uh, but, you know, I think that history uh, proceeds in such a way that, you know, as people move uh, or as societies move to greater freedom, to greater liberties, more sort of tolerance of difference and so on, there are backlashes. Uh, and this is what we are living through when we talk about misogyny. It's a radical backlash uh, against women uh, coming out as, as whole people, just like men. What a shock. So, you know, I think it, yeah, to answer the question, I think it's a very serious thing. Uh, and it goes, uh, you know, to the core of our, our most important relationships, our family relationships, our relationships with our children. Uh, so it's incredibly destructive. You know, one of the things that the uh, world of men's rights activists has more or less successfully done uh, is get the idea into the courts, in particular the family courts, that there is such a thing as uh, so-called PAL, P-A-L parental alienation syndrome. Mm. This is not a real thing. It does not exist. It's not recognized by any medical organization. But the claim is, is this is the tricks, uh, the set of tricks that women use to destroy the reputations or destroy the love that their children have for his, their father. And I think what, what I'm seeing is there's a large men's rights group in Arizona. And I see that because I get tons of women calling me and saying that that their their ex-husband or their um you know the the man that they are divorcing the father of their children is demanding his rights and saying that there is this syndrome that you just said this alienation syndrome the father's being um harmed in all of this and there are judges that are ruling this way. There are judges who really believe that, that the children are being harmed because the father's being harmed and that the mother is using the father deliberately to alienate the children. I see this a lot, a lot. Yeah. And of course, the claim is, is that, that this is all with falsehoods. Let, let me say as an aside, because it seems important to say in this discussion, that it is true that the courts have historically not treated men as well as women, right? I mean, for most of our history, the assumption uh, of divorce courts uh, was that women, you know, the mother should have primary custody in virtually all cases. And, you know, I think that any progressive, modern thinking person doesn't see that as true, right? I mean, it seems obvious that uh, men and women ought to share custody equally unless there's some important reason why that shouldn't be. And, you know, I certainly believe that. So, you know, 
uh, a guy like Thomas Ball, uh, you know, I mean, I think he, he thought it was nothing that he did to his daughter, and I wouldn't agree with that. But, you know, you can understand that there are some men who have had bad experiences in the courts. And really, when you look in the men's rights activist world, particularly some of the new people kind of coming in and getting interested, you know, some of them have a beef that's not false or that has some validity to it. But that doesn't mean that women routinely falsely accuse men of rape, uh, that men are raped just as much or more than women, that most family violence originates with women, and this whole set of claims. Uh, And let me add one other thing not related to this point, which is just to give our listeners a sense of how really rancid these people are, uh, or many of them. I wrote a a piece, a kind of investigative piece a few years ago, about a particular subreddit called Philosophy of Rape. This was run by a guy uh, whose name we still don't know, uh, who is anonymous, uses a fake name. But the Philosophy of Rape subreddit is dedicated to the idea that virtually all women and all girls should be subjected to what they call, quote, corrective Mm -hmm. rape, unquote. This is the idea that, you know, all women are essentially sluts, gold diggers, and so on and so forth, and and man-eaters, you know, people out there uh, uh, doing men in, and that raping them uh, violently, and this is even, they even include the daughters by their fathers uh, in this incredible subreddit, is a good thing, that this will somehow put women on the straight and narrow and remind them, you know, who the boss is. As it turns out, the guy who runs that subreddit uh, has actually boasted elsewhere on the internet that he has personally carried out, quote unquote, seven corrective rapes. So, you know, that's not the whole manosphere. I mean, most of mm-hmm. these people aren't serial rapists, uh, presumably. But a guy I mentioned earlier, for instance, um, uh, Rush V, the Iranian-born men's rights leader, you know, a part of his ideology, which he has not renounced at all in the 10 years or so he's been in the movement, uh, is the idea that rape should be legal if it happens what? on private property. Oh so you God. can't be raping women in a public park But if someone sets foot on your lawn, you know, you're all set. Uh, And, you know, Rushfi is an interesting story because he also, as I I mentioned a couple of times, is Iranian-born. He's fairly dark-skinned. And he has been, uh, he was shocked to find out that uh, the white supremacist world really didn't think much of him, uh, nor did they like the oh, idea God. that he was sleeping with white women. So <laughs> yeah, there was kind of this intramural fight uh, where Rouge V was, uh, you know, got real angry at other sectors of the radical right because, uh, what do you mean, my dark skin, right? I mean, he didn't want to hear about that, he, but he did want to talk about uh, legalizing rape of women on private property. Well, that was one of my other questions, Mark. Obviously, in the men's rights arena there's a lot of money being made on books but as far as this group as a whole it seems like there are really rancid ones and they're just really awful ones but how many of them are this they overlap their lives overlap in other hate groups i don't know if you know this or you could you know guess but it seems like a lot of times when someone is is a hateful person they hate everybody so how much overlap do you think there is between this and, and racist movements? And- 
Well, as I, as I tried to say before, you know, I think it's, it's turned out to be a gateway for many people. Uh, and many, but, you know, as you look into it and get to know some of the leaders, uh, you will see that there's quite a lot of overlap. For instance, there's a guy named Jack Donovan who's written several books about, quote, unquote, reclaiming your masculinity, right? Do a lot of push-ups or something or shake your <laughs> fist to a lot of women, uh, whatever that means. Well, this guy, Jack Donovan, is also a member of a white nationalist, a white supremacist group called the Wolves of Vinland. Uh, he is a guy who has attended conferences, uh, for instance, of uh, American Renaissance, which is a group that uh, claims that uh, black people are incapable uh, of civilization, uh, as their leader wrote once, and a number of others, the National Policy Institute, which is run by Richard Spencer, the infamous white supremacist. So there's a lot of overlap. How much you know, to try and answer your question, Jimmy, you know, who's to say? I mean, I would say that virtually everyone on the radical right uh, is, at least to some extent, uh, a misogynist. Uh, but, you know, others are, you know, concentrated very strictly on that. Right. And I am watching the, I, I'm you know, one of the leaders in Arizona in the fight to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. And the misogyny that, that I'm I'm, I'm experiencing coming from the right, coming from the Republicans in our legislature, and honestly, coming from some religious groups, is it, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. So what, what, if anything, do you think can be done or should be done to counter this so-called manosphere? Well, I think probably the single most critical thing well, there are a few things. I mean, one, in the most general sense, men need to model being decent men to their children, right? In particular, their sons. Uh, that seems critically important. Uh, it seems to me that right after that uh, is the task of, of responding to and correcting the enormous number of falsehoods that that world is filled with. I mean, virtually everything uh, these men's rights activists uh, claim uh, as a movement is false, so, you know, if you are the kind of person who could go on the internet or read on Facebook that, uh, you know, men are uh, subjected to false uh, rape accusations all the time, and this happens in at least half of the cases, and you believe that kind of thing, that's a problem. Uh, because if you believe that, well, maybe some of those women need killing uh, or raping or whatever it may be. And, you know, we see this so, such a similar, it's such a similar kind of battle in terms of uh, battling white supremacy. Uh, just to return to Trump for a minute, I mean, it's worth remembering that Trump not so long ago retweeted a claim from a neo-Nazi, incidentally, that 80% of white murder victims in this country are murdered by black people. Uh, and as was widely noted at the time, that is 100% false. In fact, it's the precise opposite. 80% uh, of black people are murdered by other black people, uh, and a very similar number uh, goes for whites as well. Uh, you know, but these ideas are mm -hmm. insidious, right? And they sound shocking. Uh, you know, maybe it's worth remembering in the same vein that before Dylan Wolf uh, shot up that church in Charleston, murdered nine black churchgoers a few years ago, uh, he uh, read on the internet on one of these racist sites, uh, basically that black people were committing a gigantic, a massive uh, wave of crimes against white people. White genocide was underway, and therefore he needed to go out there and start murdering black people. 
So, you know, that is where this kind of rhetoric, this kind of fake news, uh, to use the infamous phrase, takes us. Wow. All right. Well, Mark Potok, thank you so much for joining us today. Mark, again, is an internationally recognized expert on the rise of the radical right. He was a senior fellow at the Southern Arizona or the Southern Poverty Law Center and was the editor of the Intelligence Report. It was an award-winning um, quarterly journal, or is a, an award-winning quarterly journal. And um, he has joined us again today, and we are so grateful that he has come in to, to talk about the mainstreaming of misogyny and the, the manosphere, which is just shocking. And when, when you realize that this is really something that's alive and well in the world today. Thank you for your investigative work, Mark. I really, truly appreciate you. How do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you? Well, at my website, the address of which you mentioned earlier, it's markpotok.net. Uh, I have a contact form, so anyone can reach me that way, and I can, they come right to my email. I see them right away, and I'm perfectly happy to uh, hear from anyone. And, uh, and thanks so much uh, for having me on the show. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. I hope you'll come back next time we have a topic like this to discuss, and uh, you'll be part of the Wait What family for some time to come now. Uh, I, I was really happy to learn the things you're learning. I'm going to be using the term manosphere to describe things in the future, and while these issues are troubling, they need to be talked about. And that's a wrap for this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe to Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele at your favorite podcast app. Leave us a voicemail on our website at waitwhat.media, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today's show. If you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry. We'll be back next week. Subscribe to Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steel on your favorite podcast app or visit waitwhat.media. And try out our quick takes. So here's the thing. Commentary from Victoria Steele. And the ZOP, topical explainers from Jimmy Zuma. I'm Monica Price. Monica Price.